Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today, we're talking about the rise of aggregators. And if you're not familiar with the space, that may sound like the name of a Star Wars movie or something like that, the rise of the aggregator. But it's a really important topic, uh, and aggregators are certainly not evil. It's not like the Empire. Uh, these guys, most of them, good. And uh, so I think this is just such an interesting time in the e-commerce space where good time to potentially sell if you're a brand, good time to partner with an aggregator, all kinds of interesting things to consider. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce Resources. That's right. Here at OMG Commerce, we want to help make sure you're educated and in the know to capitalize on the latest tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow your e-commerce business. So if you go to omgcommerce.com and under resources, click on guides, we have some cutting edge free information for you on things like how to dominate with Amazon DSP ads or how to use Amazon sponsor brand video ads and how to craft the perfect ad. We have several guides on how to capitalize on YouTube ads from creating the perfect ad to knowing when you're ready to scale. Plus there's a newly updated Google shopping guide plus more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com and click on guides under resources. And now back to the show. I get to meet my guest today, Mr. Dave Bunch, uh, at Blue Ribbon Miami. So Ezra Firestone's event, he and I were both speaking at the event. And uh, Dave just had such a wonderful presentation, really down to earth, super, super smart guy. And so Dave is the president of Grove, and that's G-R-O-W-V-E. Uh, fantastic aggregator, just growing like crazy and has a, has a wonderful reputation of being just a great group to work for and to work with. And so I wanted to pick Dave's brain. I want to know more about aggregators as well and more about what these guys think about the, the space of e-commerce and where we are right now. And so with that, uh, Dave, welcome to the show and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Yeah, appreciate it. It was fun uh, meeting you at Blue Ribbon and uh, getting to know you better. And uh, we've admired you and, and what you, you're doing as well. And uh, yeah, it's great to, to be on with you today. Thanks, man. And we we both have an affinity. We have large families, correct? Uh, how many how many kids do you do you have? That's right. I think you've got me beat. So I have seven. Um, it's not unusual. <laughs> oldest is uh, twenty three, and and youngest is seven. And uh, so yeah. our house is uh, it's always a house full. But um, you know, we we love it. Um, at at yep. least I do um, for sure. Yeah, we do too. So we we've got eight. Our age range is almost identical to that. You're just about. Uh, Three years ahead of me, but yeah, nineteen and uh, and four are the oldest and youngest on, on, on at the Curry household. So it is crazy times always. Yeah, and I've I've always told people once you have a few, it's almost the same. So you know, people say that that that's got to be hard, but um, once you have two or three, it's it's about the same as, as having seven. So. <laughs> you have to start buying bigger vehicles, bigger vehicles, bigger washing machines, bigger house. Uh, yeah. but you, there is the benefit. Uh, so I did notice for sure after six, like seven and eight, I don't know, didn't notice. Um, uh, but the older kids do help with the younger kids. That's a selling point. Um, that is true for large families, which, which is nice. So we didn't come here to talk about big families, although there probably is a correlation between having a big family and running a brand aggregator. I would, I would think they're somewhat similar. You got lots of brand children, 
running around uh, as well. So, but before we talk about Grove and what you're doing now, Dave, you got a pretty awesome background. So, uh, first of all, kind of tell us where you're from, and then tell us the pre-aggregator story briefly of kind of what your what your background is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Utah. I'm I'm based there, uh, just in the Salt Lake City area. And uh, pre-Grove, um, I, I did my education at, at Utah State and then did an MBA at Brigham Young University and, and started uh, in, in 1999. So I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm pretty old, um, but uh, started for, for another aggregator uh, called Nutraceutical. And Nutraceutical was an aggregator in the health food specialty channel. Uh, there's lots, lots of mom and pop health food stores throughout the country, and uh, there was a consolidation occurring within the brands, and it's it's ongoing today. And so we felt like at the time there was an opportunity to go in and, and buy a lot of these brands and bring them together. And we can talk today about you know some of the reasons behind that. Um, but I was there for uh, 21 years, uh, led the M and A team. Uh, we did almost 60 acquisitions while I was there. Um, we were at one point. Uh, for most of the time, we were publicly traded on the NASDAQ. Um, we ended up being acquired by private equity in, in uh, 2017. And then in 2019, our private equity firm sold uh, 40% to a couple other private equity groups. Um, at that time, the valuation was uh, just under $650 million. Wow. And uh, at that point, I decided <clears throat> if I'm going to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial, um, you know, that it was the time to make, make a jump and uh, wanted to stay in, in aggregation and in kind of the same industry, um, but something where I had even more decision making and in a place that's, uh, you know, more e-commerce focused, maybe the nutraceutical was at the time. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and what, what a cool story. So I, I do want to look at, you know, why, are, why is the aggregator model so popular? But, but I guess... For those that don't know, what what is an aggregator, and is an aggregator just a private equity group, or or is it is it different a different animal? So what is it, and then why are they so popular right now, or is it just maybe they're getting more uh, press and more airtime right now? Yeah, and I I think if you if you go throughout almost any um, industry, there is um, consolidation yeah. that takes place as, as big companies come in and say, well, if I can group together you know, several brands, there's an opportunity, there's, there's a savings yep. because there's duplication in, in, in a lot of different functions. Centralized and operations, so right? So you, there's some cost cutting, cost saving uh, measures that you can take. Absolutely. And then just bringing in, you know, maybe a high level of expertise in, in running a business and, and the efficiencies that come from that. And so, you, you know, if you go throughout time and you look at industries, consolidation happens yep. and, and right now, if you look at the Amazon world in particular, there's over a million and a half active sellers on Amazon. So it's very fragmented. There's lots and lots of uh, Amazon sellers and, and, and most of us know uh, many of them and they're doing a great job. And they're actually um, in many ways outperforming a lot of the large you know, consumer product companies. And, uh, you know, and as, as things move more e-commerce, um, you know, bigger, uh, bigger companies like, like Grove and others are looking at, you know, here's an opportunity to come in and, and, and to do some consolidation and realize some savings and, and also um, provide some expertise to these brand owners that, you know, they're good, very good at Amazon, um, but there's some other areas that they may 
not not know as well. Um, if you look at things like traditional retail and and and, and diversifying off of Amazon, and and so you know, <clears throat> companies like us can come in and provide some additional expertise. You know, so there, there's there's several reasons to do it. Yeah, it makes sense. So so consolidation is is beneficial because of cost savings, because of being able to leverage expertise. It just happens in industries where there's a lot of growth and where they're maturing a little bit. But then, what's what's kind of the what's the exit or what's the bit of the end game for an aggregator? Is, isn't it to kind of either package up groups of brands and sell them to someone else, or sell off the whole, whole portfolio, or uh, t- talk through that a little bit? What what is, what is attractive about the end game with an aggregator? Sure. Yeah, and if just on aggregators themselves, <clears throat> if you look at uh, and I added up, I've got a list, and I I know of over a hundred aggregators just in the e-commerce that are specifically space. focused. Just in e-commerce, primarily Amazon, but you know D2C uh, e-commerce brands as well. And uh, there's been a, a lot of uh, money raised. It, you know, there's a Market Pulse article uh, recently that suggested in the last quarter, four months, that you know two and a half billion has been brought in in terms of capital to into these these aggregators. Over, so over that what they time period? Deals. Uh, just the last four months. <laughs> yeah. So lot, lots of money uh, right now, um, lot, you know, and, uh, you, you know, so aggregators are are getting the attention of a lot of investors and, and they're raising a lot of money, you know, at this point. And, and so as aggregators think about it, you know, what's the end game for an aggregator? And, and there's, you know, a, nu- a number of things. And so one, one possible exit could be, you know, going public. Uh, through a traditional IPO or a SPAC, um, you know, SPACs have been kind of the yep. buzzword. And that's a special um, acquisition little... corporation or company. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so it's a way to go public, uh, you know, in a little different manner than a traditional IPO. Um, so that that's a possibility. Um, another is you're going to see uh, aggregators gobbling up other aggregators, and um, <clears throat> you know. At some point, there's going to be uh, aggregators that succeed and, and some that go away. You know, over the next few years, definitely is not going to be the number that we're seeing yep. today. And those, the those other that thing fail, is just like quickly, um, and not to get us too uh, off track, yeah. but those that fail, is is it going to be because uh, potentially they're they're over leveraged and, and they don't gain those operational efficiencies or or growth expertise or thing, things like that? Is, is it usually a failed aggregator? Is it is it like a leverage problem typically or? What would be your thoughts there? Yeah, and I yeah, and uh, so it, it could be that. I also think just having the right team and, and really being able to to manage the brands it's it it's it's challenging. Um, you know, in concept, it sounds like a good idea. You know, the growth is coming from e-commerce. Let's grab some brands yeah. and bring yeah. them together. Um, but then then running of them, it, it, it can yeah. be challenging. And uh, do you have the right team yeah. in place? Uh, to really grow them, yeah. and and so I think a lot are, are raising money based on a concept. Um, the question is, is are they going to actually be able to, to yeah. perform? And and um, and it is interesting. So, we're, we're kind of joking around. We we accidentally kind of made the comparison of having a big family, lots of kids, and being an aggregator. But you're bringing on these brands and into your group, and they all have different personalities, and they have different teams, and they have different styles. And like M and A is messy. It could be very very good, very very lucrative, but it's it's not like just cut and dry. Like, oh yeah, of course, just buy this brand, save some money, bingo, we're making money. Like, it's it's complex. 
Yeah, and, and and think about it too. A lot of aggregators they they buy the companies outright, and then the founders um, who are passionate about their brands they go their separate ways. And so, how do you replicate yeah, that yeah. passion? Um, that you know, entrepreneurial that, energy, that, that the, the the product design, the creativity, like yeah, keeping that that uh, founder around really makes a lot of sense uh, for sure. So. So cool. So I, that, that was a, that was a little bit of a, a tangent. It was related, but uh, so so exits we can you know go public through a SPAC. Aggregators will buy other aggregators. Some because some aggregators will, will, will fail. Uh, talk about additional exits or in the end. Yeah, a few others would be um, private equity groups are very interested in in acquiring aggregators. Um, you know, and adding them to their portfolios. Um, the, then another, um, and we've had interest uh, from some of these groups as well, is strategics, um, especially uh, for aggregators that are focused mm-hmm. on certain categories. A strategic may come in because if you look at some of these traditional CPG companies, you know, they are having a hard time. They're, they're not growing and, you know, they're not seeing the growth from the e-commerce. They're seeing these 1.6 million yeah. Amazon sellers outperform oh, them. Totally. And so, yeah. 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 So, yeah, they, they're interested and they want to buy and they want to uh, gain that expertise. And so um, they're another option in terms of an exit for an aggregator, especially ones that focus on, on specific yeah, totally makes sense. And we, we saw that recently. Actually, we, we got to, to hear him at Blue Ribbon, but Moise Ali is a friend of mine, uh, Native is a longtime client of OMG. Sure. But that was a similar thing, right? Native built up this amazing direct-to-consumer natural deodorant brand and they, they've since added body wash and toothpaste and sunscreen and some other cool stuff coming coming your way uh but that was a strategic buy on png's part right png was thinking about uh, building their own and they actually ended up doing that but they wanted to strategically acquire native for over 100 million dollars so it worked pretty well for moise and and, and company um and worked it's yeah. worked great for png as well so um totally makes sense uh, well, let's do this, Dave. Uh, lots more questions about, about aggregators in general, but I want to talk about Grove specifically. So what do you guys do? Uh, where, where do you focus? And, and how are you guys different than maybe the average aggregator, if there is a one? Sure. <clears throat> yeah, so maybe starting out with, um, you know, where we're focused and, and, and just high level kind of where we're at today. So we have 24 brands, or we will by the end of June, we're closing on four, four companies this month. Um, we're about 250 million in revenue, um, you know, close to 50 million of EBITDA. So, you know, we're, we're actually out and doing it and we, we have a proven track record. So we've done 13 acquisitions and 12 of the 13 are up. Um, so, you know, we can go to, uh, you know, potential companies we're looking at acquiring and say, look what we've done historically in really growing businesses. But where, where we focus our time is, is, you know, a lot of aggregators are agnostic and they'll buy almost anything. Um, and for us, we decided fairly early on that we wanted to be focused um, yep. on certain verticals. And that way we could kind of build our, our back end and all of our team around those categories. And then, like we talked about before, if we're more focused, we felt like an outcome selling to strategic would make more sense because the strategic doesn't want something that has, you know, is participating. Well, they also in every go back category. to kind of the, the first thing we talked about, right? Of, of of shared, you know, economies of scale and shared operations and expertise, leveraging expertise. Both of those are more effective if you're focused in a specific category versus you've got, you know, brands that are all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. So the six verticals that we're participating in, uh, dietary supplements, 
uh, pet nutrition, kind of personal care and, and beauty, uh, healthy foods, active nutrition, and active nutrition's you know kind of sports nutrition. And then we do we have household items, hard goods, but th- that are related to wellness and beauty. And, and so if something falls in there, um, we have interest and we get lots of inquiries from, from companies um, and it gets tempting, you know, oh, this is a cool business, but it's not in, in one of our verticals. And uh, in, in those cases, you know, we'll pass them off to, you know, or give them references to, to other aggregators or other businesses that might be interested. But we've really tried to stay disciplined even though it can be tempting at times to, because there's a lot of cool businesses and a lot of a lot of verticals. No doubt, and and yeah, once you get pretty good at this process, right? You're you're good at the M and A process. You begin to see the potential in a brand that's maybe outside these categories, and, and you're like, oh man, but if I just had a hold of that, I could make it grow. But yeah, just like with anything, discipline pays off. And yeah. uh, for every you know potential home run you might get by being undisciplined, you're going to have some. Some stumbles and falls and uh, some some pain if you're not yep. disciplined there. So um, that's great. Uh, so looking at a couple of things, you know, I, I, recently, and this is probably just people that I'm hanging out with, but I think this is happening more and more. We're seeing people take exits, right, or partial exits, I should say. So at Blue Ribbon Miami, this was like one of the topics, and several people on stage. Uh, several of which are actually clients of ours, were have just recently sold part of their equity, right? So they're taking some chips off the table now, but they're rolling equity and they're looking for an exit later. So kind of talk about what that structure typically looks like and, and kind of how you approach this with growth. Because you kind of alluded to it a little bit ago, right? Keeping the founder on, like keeping that creative vision, that entrepreneurial energy, that product design genius, whatever whatever that might be. What does that usually look like when Grove is acquiring? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because there's really a couple of options. Uh, there's a lot of aggregators that'll buy buy you out 100%, and that's probably more of the standard model, um, yeah. including from the biggest. And then you have the option of just kind of running your business and, and growing it on your own. And and we we made the decision early on that we wanted to be more of a hybrid, um, an approach where an owner could take some some money off the table, de-risk themselves but then also participate in the upside. And so we allow founders to roll equity uh, in their businesses and, and stay involved. And, and there's a few reasons they may want to do that. One, it allows them to de-risk, but also capture some of the upside. Um, we, as an aggregator, we believe that we can help brands grow through our expertise and the services that we provide um, and accelerate that in a way that they may not be able to do on their own. And then in most cases, we also think that um, brands will get a higher valuation um, by being part of Grove than they would on their own. And, and in most cases, we think significant. And we allow them to share in, in that upside. And, and so some aggregators, they don't want to, they want to buy out 100% because they want to capture all the upside. And, and we say, we're okay in sharing because we think that we'll do better by bring, bringing the founders along yep. because they bring the passion. Yep. And um you know, so that that was really the thought process behind you know why we allow founders to roll equity. Yep, I love that, and and it just seems like it's a it's a pretty good time to do this, right? The the multiples are pretty high right now, right? We talked about that a minute ago, Dave, and it's just it's just common knowledge right now. A lot of people buying e-commerce businesses. E-commerce has been exploding. It was growing before the pandemic. 
saw the huge spike during the pandemic and it's still growing now. And so it's just a hot place to be. So it kind of makes sense. Like if you can get a partial exit now, partner with somebody like Grove, grow more, grow maybe more than you would have been able to on your own, but then also later get a, get a multiple that you wouldn't have gotten on your own, have a, a chance for a second exit. Makes a lot of sense. It, it can be it can be pretty attractive. Yeah, pretty compelling. And yeah, you you talk about. It. I mean, there's over a hundred aggregators, and and by virtue of there's a lot of interest in acquiring brands. Um, you know, I don't like to say it a lot, but for sure, it's uh, increased the valuations yeah. um, that are being paid. Um, you know, that's just natural. So um, that's a positive for people. Look, you know, thinking about you know maybe wanting to do something. Yeah, um, yeah. when you think also, about their two. 2.5 billion raised in the last four months. Like they can't just sit on that cash, right? They've got to, it only works if they're going out and buying businesses. So you got some, some uh, aggressive buyers potentially right now. Yeah, they're, they're willing to do it. And, and, and on that note, it, it's always good too, though, to be careful. Um, there's a lot of offers that'll get a th- that are get a, getting thrown out um, that could be pretty high valuations. One, one word of caution is just making sure it's from someone that can really execute. Because yeah. um, a lot of times someone will throw out a big offer to kind of get you <clears throat> under term sheet and locked up um, in exclusivity, um, but they they aren't someone that can really execute on the deal. And so it's always good to do your homework and, and make sure when you, you you agree that you really know who, who you're working with before. Um, you know, just a, a word of caution, because we run in that all the time. Oh, I got this this huge multiple and then, you know, three months of diligence and in, in, in going through the process and and that buyer wasn't able to actually close on on the business. So just, just something to be uh, cautious. It's such good advice. And I, and I didn't get permission from uh, this friend and, and client, so I won't mention the name or the category, but a uh, longtime friend and client of mine gone through like about a two-year process, I think, of trying to sell. Just, just did do a partial exit and it was great. But before that, I had another experience that was not great, and it took like 12 months. And he, he confessed after the interview, he was like, I wanted to quit the whole business. Like, it was so exhausting, so draining, and then we didn't have a deal that I wanted, I wanted to quit. I just wanted to quit the whole thing. And so I think that that really speaks to what you're talking about. Like, don't just be attracted by a large offer because if— uh, it's got to be the right partner because there's just a high probability it won't work out, right? And then you're just going to spin your wheels and go through all this time and end up frustrated and disappointed. Yeah, and maybe one other thing to mention, uh, um, always ask for for referrals. You know, what what deals have you done? Let me talk to the the founders or, or and, and get their feedback. And we actually encourage that because we try to be really good partners um, because we're going to be, you know, working together for a long time. And a lot of the deals we do actually come from referrals. And so it, it, it's important to us. And so that would be, you know, another step I would recommend is whoever you're going to work with, ask them about some other deals they've done and, and, and get some referrals and talk to talk to people. Yeah, really makes sense. And, and so, yeah, and, and I like that piece that's built into your model. I know a few other aggregator owners and, you know, one in particular I'm thinking of, they, they just do full exits or full buyouts. So that it makes sense that that's kind of the norm. But yeah, when you're allowing an owner to roll equity, it's a partnership, right? Like you want this deal to be structured well because you want that person to be motivated and, and they're, they're sticking around, right? So uh, not trying to, to take advantage for sure. So Yeah, yeah, cool. absolutely. 
So, cool. Yeah. What else? What else should a uh, while we're kind of on this topic? Um, why? What else should a seller be looking for? So, if a seller's considering an aggregator, uh, what what other questions should they ask? So, yeah, let's let's see some example or, or let's talk to some you know get, get some referrals that type of thing. But what what else should they be looking for? Or asking. Yeah. So I would I would say if if they're wanting to roll some equity and, and stay involved long term, you know. <clears throat> Give us some examples on on how well um, you know businesses that you've done have performed afterwards. You know, like I mentioned, I mean we we've done thirteen acquisitions, twelve of the thirteen are are up. Um, you know, so how is their track record? And then, what are some things that they can do to bring value? Um, so we at Grove have built out you know a lot of different services that we offer uh, you know sellers. So we have a traditional retail team. We're a vendor of record in, in most major retailers from Target, you know, Huge. Walmart, all the drug. We, um, uh, you know, have our own regulatory. We have manufacturing. You know, we manufacture gummies and powders. We're vertically integrated. We can, you know, in most cases, you know, save on, on their product costs. Um, we can diversify where they're at and, and get them into other channels. And so really thinking through, okay, if I partner with them, what, what do they bring beyond what I already can do? Um, if I'm really good at D2C e-commerce or Amazon, um, if that's all they can do, maybe they're not going to provide, you know, near the value that, you know, that someone else. So just think through, okay, how, how can they help me from, from a value standpoint? Yep. Especially if you're rolling, rolling equity because you're going to be, you know, in tandem and working together and uh, you don't want to make sure that they can actually add value. Yeah, 100% makes sense. Great. So so uh, what are you guys looking for when you're acquiring a brand? Because, you know, we at, at OMG Commerce, we work exclusively with e-commerce brands. So, so high growth e-commerce brands work on the Amazon side, but also search shopping, YouTube, that sort of thing. Almost everyone that we talk to, they have a goal of an exit at some point, right? They want to sell at some point. They may not exactly know when, they may not exactly know how, but they do want to sell. So I think it's beneficial for everybody to know what is an aggregator looking for. So as you're uh, evaluating brands you want to buy, what what is your criteria? Yeah, so a number of things. So one, um, and almost first and foremost for us is because of the, the rolled equity pieces, the, the, the type of... Uh, people we want to work with. Um, you know, there's lots of deals out there and there's lots of ways to make money, um, but we want to, you know, partner with people we feel like will be good partners back. And so we we like to spend time uh, with with them. And it's been a little bit harder with COVID and it's opening up more and more is actually, Zoom is great, but let's get, get sure. out there in person and, and get to know one another. And so that that's one a, a big step for us. Um, <clears throat> you know, another would be, there's a lot of, you know, what we call black hat. Um, you know, there, there's ways on to manipulate Amazon or, um, you know, that aren't within kind of terms and condition. And, uh, you know, those. Yep. So it's making the news right now too. Big Chinese sellers getting yeah. shut down for fake reviews. Yeah. And stuff. So we, um, you know, we, we want to shy away from, from brands that have, have done a lot of that. And, um, you know, and brand owners need to know when you're selling, um, most buyers are going to make you, um, uh, they're going to require reps and warranties. They're going to require you to, to rep that you are compliant with Amazon's terms and conditions. And so if you're doing a lot of black hat things, um, 
if it doesn't come up in diligence and you close and, and there's issues after the fact and you're making a representation that you've been within policy, it could cause some issues even post-close. And, and so we spend a lot of time really vetting that. And, and we understand that, you know, you know with Amazon and, and just the e-commerce world, there's, there's probably some gray. It's not, not completely black and white. Um, but, sure. you know, there's some sure. that are, uh, you know, out there deliberately doing things that, um, you know, they know they're not supposed to be doing. Um, we like to look at, um, you know, categories that we think are, are emerging. Um, so we, just to give you an example, um, on the dietary supplement side. So we've looked, we look at the data. And one of the interesting things we've seen with the data is over the last 10 years, the gummy delivery form um, has grown double digits. And yep. Even with adults, which is which is really interesting. Yeah, people are uh, wanting to take the traditional capsules and tablets, and so we we saw that trend. And actually, you know, this last year it's up over forty percent. And so we spent a lot of time <clears throat> working on ways that we could provide innovation um, within you know that gummy delivery form. And we have a new brand, the, these fruit-based gummies called Fruly. Um, that we just launched in March. Which I've tried, by the way. I think you sent me some um, elderberry gummies. Okay. And man, really good. You like Very those. tasty. Good, yeah. yeah. So the gummy, 90% of it is real fruit. You know, most gummies are either the first ingredient, sugar, or glucose syrup. I bring that up because um, for us, we're looking for things that we feel like have a lot of upward potential, um, you know, in, in terms of growth and that we can even take them even beyond you know, like if they're just on Amazon, we can take them beyond Amazon because, you know, it, it's more than just, you know, kind of a, a product. And I'm good at hacking Amazon that there's actually some, you know, some viability in the brand and the products. And, and so, um, you know, those are some of the things that we, we really look at, um, you know, as, as, as we do our analysis. Is it important to you that someone be on Amazon and off Amazon? Or are you totally comfortable with an FBA-only business? How do you guys look at that? Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, so more and more, we, we like brands that actually as well have a direct-to-consumer um, component, um, that they're great on the uh, you know, with their Shopify and, and things they're doing, Facebook, just things that they're doing to drive traffic beyond just uh, being on Amazon. Um, Amazon loves organic traffic, you know, and, and I think from an algorithm standpoint, the, you know, you're favored if you have that. And so we've actually invested and are investing a lot in, in kind of building out that infrastructure on our side that it's not just about Amazon. We really want to be good just from a, you know, um, <clears throat> D to C component. Um, and so we're really trying to build that out. And we have an example of a brand which they started just on their Shopify account. Uh, and it's really fed the other channels. I mean, it's, it's fueled Amazon. Um, we don't spend a ton on Amazon um, because we have all this organic traffic that Amazon loves. And then it's also helped us to take it into traditional retail. And so I think the brands that are going to succeed and do really well long term have to really be thinking about that D to C play. It's not just about Amazon anymore. Yeah, and but but you know, thinking about that Amazon success, how do we parlay that to success with a Shopify store or big commerce or Woo or whatever the case may be? But your own D to C website, and then getting into retail, like having all of those channels makes you a much more attractive business, right? Much more sellable. 
uh, hire multiple, all of those things when, when that happens? Yeah, there's no question. Just if you can be everywhere the consumer is and, and all of those touch points, you're going to command a, a, a much higher multiple um, where you're just kind of single focus, single channel on Amazon. Um, you know, there's more risk. If you, if you think about it from a buyer standpoint, if all you are is Amazon, what happens if your account gets shut down or exactly, which maybe they ban an ingredient or a product, you know, and then everything's gone. And, and so there is risk with that. And that's why you you see lower multiples for, for brands that aren't, aren't as diversified. So I think as, as a brand owners, you think about that, how am I able to diversify myself? You know, if I'm just Amazon or I'm just Shopify or I'm just traditional retail, um, you know, how do I, how do I diversify my, diversify myself into, into some of these other channels. Great, great. Uh, Dave, this has been amazing. Just probably a couple more questions here. Uh, been super insightful and I uh, love this topic. When when deals go bad, right? So when, when deals don't pan out, what is usually the reason or, or reasons uh, why deals don't work out? Yeah, so, and we, and we have those. Um, they, they, they have, we actually... Right we had one that we uh, we thought was going to happen, um, you know, that ended up uh, not happening as of yesterday. And and sometimes it's um, in diligence as so we agree generally pretty upfront on general business terms, things like yeah. purchase price. And then before we actually close, we're going to spend more time doing diligence. And there may be things that come up. Um, you know, that uh, we weren't aware of. Um, to give you an example, um, we were looking at a, a brand that offered, you know, gummies, um, a different brand. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were getting all of their products, uh, all of their gummies made in China, uh, but they weren't putting on the label product of China. Um, and it is a, a, and so they're getting away with it, but it's not compliant. And so for us, there's no way to do that deal because we look at it, okay, we could make those gummies ourselves but it's going to increase their, their cost structure by 40%. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we would automatically jump in and, and, and their income would be significantly yep. lower. Immediate impact to EBITDA, it would go down and that, that's, a, that's a negative, obviously. Yeah, so I, I would say just <clears throat> if there's things out there that you know that maybe aren't quite right, you know, be, be up front because they're going to get discovered throughout the process and, yeah. and it, it costs kind of both sides, you know, not only um, is there a cost component in time, um, and time, and a lot of times there's ways to work through them if you're up front. You know, in this case, you know, we looked at it and said, okay, can we make them in the U.S.? There just wasn't enough. Um, it was so much of a cost differential that, that we weren't able to do. But a lot of times if you're up front, we can, we can work through the yeah. issues. Um, but those are a, a lot of reasons why we don't, you know, we end up not closing. You kind of need to air the dirty laundry, so to speak, right? Just like get get it out there because, yeah, to your point, well, first of all, buyers hate surprises, right? Like you want to know up front. And if you know up front, you can likely work around it, right? Every deal has, right. you know, dirty laundry is the right word, but there, there's always like negatives or there's, there's, there's issues or things in the business that potential buyer needs to be aware of, right? But if you bring it up up front, usually a, a good thing. That, that's awesome. Uh, Dave, this has been fantastic. Uh, a couple things. One, do you guys have any any resources or materials or, or, or should people just kind of follow you guys on, on social media and see what you're doing? Uh, how else can people learn? 
Yeah, so we actually have been pretty quiet as a company in terms of we, we've we've stayed under the radar and kind of intentionally and 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 as of late we've been more aggressive just in, in talking about ourselves. So you can definitely follow follow us um, on social media channels. Um, you're you're welcome to email me if you have questions. I mean, not even you don't even have to be in the category if you've got questions. I mean, my email is uh, dbunch at grove dot com. Awesome. Thank um, you. I'm happy just to you know. <clears throat> You've got a question on something, just want some advice. I mean, we're about, you know, helping people as well. It's not not just, um, you know, you don't have to worry that, you know, if I reach out to Dave, he's going to try to pitch something <laughs> on me. Um, you know, we're, we're about helping people and, and uh, you know, just, you know, we really help each other. And, you know, over the years, I've kind of learned I've got lots of friends in the industry and it's good to run run things by each other and, and kind of work together. And so we, we, we have that mindset. Yep, I love it. I love it. And, and just from meeting you and some of the other partners at Grove, genuine people, just, just down to earth, super solid. And so so really enjoyed getting to know you guys. Uh, where can people find uh, Grove online? Website, social media? Where, where can they find them? Yeah, so we've got our Grove, our Grove website. So it's just G-R-O-W-V-E dot com. Um, you know, all the social media, we're, we're pretty active, especially, you know, places like LinkedIn, you know, that have a lot of business owners. Um, so we can be found there. Um, we generally now are doing, um, you know, some press releases and uh, announcing various things. We just brought on a pretty high-level advisor to the team that, you know, has, has sold, you know, multiple Amazon brands, a good friend of mine that we brought on. So you can kind of stay abreast of what we're doing, you know, by following us that way. Yeah, it's super great. And, and I, I'm, I'm particularly interested in following aggregators, one, because I have a few friends that run aggregators, but but also we, I mentioned this uh, at least in part on the show, I think, uh, my business partner, Chris Brewer, we're looking at potentially acquiring some brands, buying some smaller brands, helping them grow, and then potentially selling to an aggregator. That was actually an idea that a friend of mine gave me. We, we've been talking about it for a while. But uh, such an interesting space. Uh, I'm just grateful to be in e-commerce, you know, where where things are growing and and the trends are right. And it's just, it's a lot of fun too. It's uh, it's a, just a really fun place to be. So uh, awesome. Well, Dave, thank you again for spending the time. It's been really great. And uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. All right. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear your feedback. Leave us that review on iTunes. Shoot us a note. Uh, connect with us on social media. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.